Romans chapter 5 tonight, if you will. <clears throat> and I mentioned that we were going to be doing a, a lesson on the family tonight, and we are going to um, do just that. And there's lots of different passages that I could have you turn to that deal with the topic that we're going to talk about tonight. But I've just picked one, and we're not, well, I don't really have a lot of other verses for you to turn to. It's a very practical lesson tonight, but very biblical at the same time. But we're going to use this as a jumping off point. But, you know, when our, when our kids go through difficult times, um, and they're going to, and, and to us it may not be difficult, to them it might be life and death, but they're going to go through difficult times, and they're going to face hard times with something. Most parents want to step in and rescue their kids, right? It's natural. We, we, we want to keep them from struggling because we want to help them. It's natural for us to want to do that. We're the parent. We're, our job is to protect and help. But the truth is, uh, in a lot of instances, our kids need that struggle. Uh, they don't need their parents to come in and rescue them from anything that makes them uncomfortable. What we're going to talk about tonight deals really with older kids, but I think it, it's, it starts with, with the younger. Um, it, it, I, I say uh, it starts when they're younger. Maybe I should say it that way. And um, really is for kids of any age. And, and honestly, it's even for kids that, that may be already out of your house. They've already grown up, and they're still on their own, you know, maybe not married with their own family and things like that. But there's, there's you know, there's plenty of times when, when they're playing with other kids that they get into an argument or they get hurt or they get made fun of. Uh, the easiest thing is to try to step in and make it all go away for them, but that's not usually what's best for them. You know, there's plenty of times when they get frustrated when they're working on a problem, be it in, a, you know, a, a class that they're taking or... Uh, putting a puzzle together or maybe trying to put some Lego thing together or something like that. And, and you know, they get frustrated working on that problem. That's very easy for you. And the easiest thing a lot of times is jump in and say, hey, this is the solution. This is how you take care of it. It's very easy, you know. Um, the easiest thing is to just solve it for them because we don't like to see them struggle. We don't like to see them in pain, whether that's physical pain or emotional pain or, or any other kind of pain. We don't like to see them in that, in that position because they're our kids, and that's natural that it's going to be that way. But sometimes struggle is exactly what they need. When they struggle, they learn to solve problems. They learn to persevere. They learn to adapt. They learn to grow in areas that otherwise they may not grow in if they didn't have to struggle in that growth. Romans chapter 5 is, is really a passage that talks a lot about that. And just for context, I'm going to jump back and start at verse number 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Verse number 3 is what I wanted to focus on, 3, 4, and 5. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, Knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. And again, there's a lot of passages. Really, this is, and you continue to go on through that passage, it's really talking about having joy in the middle of tribulation. And Paul talks about that. Peter talks a whole lot about that uh, in the books that he wrote, but uh, Romans 5 here is just, is just a few of, of many verses in the Bible that, that talk about struggling. And, and uh, you know, though mostly it's assumed that when you read a verse on struggle, it's talking to adults, and I think in a lot of cases it is, there's no age limit that's, that's set on these verses. It can be for anybody that's going through a struggle, anybody that's dealing with something that's difficult. And for our kids, if we never allow them to struggle... They're not just going to wake up one morning and know how to handle what life and, and, and what the devil is going to throw at them. They need to learn how to struggle. And so tonight I want to look at five areas where your kids need to struggle 
if they're going to get better and if they're going to grow. And as I mentioned, very, very practical lesson tonight. Uh, obviously, some of them deal with the spiritual side, but we are, we are raising well-rounded kids. We talk about the spiritual side a lot, and this, this deals with that. Um, but this is what's going to help our kids to grow up and be better Christians, but also be better people. And that's what we want to talk about tonight. So the first, the first area that they need to struggle in is finances. And I know a lot of parents who seem to have the mindset that, that it's their job to make sure that their child never struggles when it comes to money. They give them everything. And I, and I think that has a lot to do with the way they grew up. Some parents grew up with everything handed to them, so they just turn around and hand everything to their kids. Some parents grew up with nothing, and they know what that feels like. And so they don't want their kids to have to feel the same way, so they give them everything. And, and it's just, it's a mindset, but uh, they feel obligated to, their ki- to give their kids anything that they demand or anything that they ask for even. And they never tell them no. And uh, I think what happens sometimes, they feel obligated to cover everything from their child's, you know, first car to their, uh, to their college education and all of those other things. Um, I think this is pretty interesting. Most of you know who Shaq is, Shaquille O'Neal. He said to his kids, we're not rich, I'm rich. <laughs> and he said, he's, he, he's no, no, no shame about that at all. He said, we're not rich, I'm rich. This is my money, right? And he said before, he said, if my kids go to college and get a degree and want to invest in something, then I will invest in what it is that they want to invest in. But that's the only way they're going to get their hands on any of my money. I'll invest in something that they're trying to do. Because that means they're out there trying to make something out of themselves. Right? There's another, there's another actor, and I, I don't know him well. But he, I know he's a pretty popular actor. He's, Jackie Chan is his name. But he's worth $370 million. And he said... His, I think he's only got one son, but he said, my son is not going to see a penny of that money, he's, and, and he's left him nothing in his inheritance. If he dies, all of that money goes to charity, and somebody asked him about that one time, well, why wouldn't you give your son anything, and he said, if my son is capable, he can make his own money. If he's not, then he's just going to be wasting mine, and in, in both of those situations, you know, I, you know. Uh, his son may not like that, Shaq's kids may not like that, but in the end, they're going to be better off for that because they've, they've had to learn how to struggle and make their own money. They've had to struggle to, to make ends meet in some cases. And uh, you have to decide for your family what you're going to and not going to pay for. But I, I believe that especially when they, when they get to be teenagers, struggles around finances are going to serve them well in the long run. Um, if all we ever do is give them anything they want, they're never going to learn the value of money, right? Money doesn't mean anything because I want it, I get it. It doesn't matter how much it costs. If I want it, it's mine. I just got to tell my parents that I want it. Uh, but even for younger kids, they need to learn to earn some things. It teaches them the value of money. It teaches them the value of work. It teaches them the value of saving, right? Uh, Riley wanted an American Girl doll, and they're not cheap, as we found out. I think they're over 100 bucks for those dolls, and that's not money that we have sitting around that we're just going to go pay $100 on. So we told her how much they cost, and uh, Becca actually went online, I think, and found one that was used that was a little bit cheaper than that and said, hey, if you want this doll, then you save your money up and you can buy that doll, right? And you have to decide if, that, if you want to spend that much money on a doll. Well, she did. So she started saving her birthday money and, and money that she got from doing little jobs here and there uh, and, and finally had enough money to buy this doll. And she went out and bought the doll. And I'll tell you, she carries that thing around with her everywhere. It means something to her because she knows how expensive that thing really was, right? How many times have kids gotten something that was 
valuable and they didn't take care of it because they weren't the ones that paid for it. When I was growing up, my dad said, well, when you get into seventh grade, we'll give you a place to live, we'll feed you, and, you know, obviously transportation and all that stuff, we'll take care of that, you know, because you're not old enough to drive, but you want anything else, you're going to pay for it. And guess what I learned how to do? I shopped at Goodwill. I kept, I took good care of my stuff because I knew that if, if it broke, I was going to be the one that had to pay for it, right? I, I shopped and, and I found deals. I learned the value of work, but I learned the value of money at the same time. I, uh, you know, and, and I think I've, I've told you this before, but I know that um, <clears throat> when, uh, when uh, basketball season rolls around, a lot of these kids get brand new basketball shoes, and they're, they're expensive. They're like 150 bucks for a pair of basketball shoes. You know, I don't even, I, 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 I play basketball now. I don't even pay anywhere close to that for my basketball shoes now, let alone, I don't know how parents pay for their kids new basketball shoes every season, but uh, basketball season rolled around, all these kids were getting new shoes and everything else, and I had to go buy a pair of shoes for myself. Well, I didn't have, I mean, I had to pay for them. I didn't have the money. I went to Kmart. Remember when Kmart was a thing? We used to call it Kmart. Everything you got there broke, it seemed like, but maybe that's why they're not in business anymore. I don't know. But I, I went and found a pair of, uh, they were, they, and I'd never even heard of before or seen them since, but the brand was Warner Brothers. It was a Warner Brothers pair of basketball shoes, and they were on clearance at Kmart for $13. And you know, I had those things for about three or four years, because I, I didn't wear them outside. I only wore them for basketball practice and games, and that's, I took care of them, because I had to pay for the new ones, and I, I, I wore those things until I couldn't squeeze my feet into them anymore, and I finally had to go get another pair. But it taught me the value of work. It taught me the value of struggling to pay for those things that I wanted. And, and again, same thing when it comes to, you know, teenagers in their cars and things like that. If, if they can't afford the car of their dreams, or any car for that matter, right, uh, he might have, to work, uh, might have to learn how to work and save and budget. Um, Jackson's 13. He's been talking about driving for the last couple years. You know, I can't wait till I'm 16. You know, I'm only eight right now, but it's not long. I'm going to be driving, you know. And when I get a car, I'm going to such and such. Well, I sat down with him a couple years ago, probably now, and I said, this is how much it costs to buy a car. This is how much it costs to operate a car. This is what you have to pay for insurance. This is all the expenses. And I'm not just going to give you a car and pay for all those things. If you want a car, you've got to pay for it. So he's been saving up for the last couple years. When he's 16, he's probably going to blow all of it on one car and one, one gas payment, right? But, uh, but he's, gonna, he's learning the value of those things, and, and I'm sure he's going to learn a whole lot more once he actually starts having to, having to pay for it himself. But they need to learn to struggle in those finances. Those are key life skills that don't just come automatically. You don't just wake up knowing how to handle money. And so they're usually developed through struggle. It, it really, uh, and, and I've, I've been there, it really only takes a couple dumb financial decisions on the part of a young person before they learn not to make those dumb decisions with money before they learn the value of money, before they learn the value of work, right? Uh, Riley wants to buy this doll. She had to say no to a lot of candy at, at Walmart. You know, I want this. Well, that's $10. You remember you're saving your money up to buy this thing. If you buy that, you're going to have to, you're going to start over almost. Oh, you know what? No, I don't want that. I'm saving up for this, right? Teaches them the value of money. Teaches them the value of work and, and that struggle financially is good for them. Now, I'm not saying, and, and hey, especially Christmas is coming around. This is a great opportunity to give your kids the things that they want, right? Birthdays, good opportunity to give them the things that they want uh, that they might not be able to afford or may not be able to pay for. I'm not saying that you can't do those things, but what I'm saying is 
I want this. Okay, here. I don't want you to struggle. I want this. All right, here. I don't want you to struggle. That's not good for them. They need to learn how to struggle with finances. Another area that they need to learn how to struggle in, and this probably kind of goes hand in hand with that first one, but that's work. Most kids prefer to sit around and do nothing all day. And if you give them the choice, that's what they're going to do. Now, it may be that they go out and, you know, shoot baskets or read books or, you know, play with toys or whatever else. But if you give them the choice, they're going to do nothing. And lots of them would rather, you know, especially today, they'd rather play on a phone than do anything productive. The desire to work is not usually a second nature for a kid, right? And, and for most people, it's not second nature. I mean, even, even when you're not a kid anymore, but especially when you're a kid, your desire is not to work. But as you know, there are some valuable skills they need to learn from the challenges that, they, that they're going to face when it comes to having a boss and showing up at work on time and, you know, working with customers and balancing activities and, and a whole lot of other things, you know. Um, and, and I know that they probably, you know, they got to be 16 years old before they can get a job and things like that, but that's good for them, you know, especially when it's, especially if you can do it in, a, in some kind of controlled environment. It's very tempting to say, well, they don't need a job right now. They got everything that they want and they got everything that they need, but, you know, having your, especially your teenager work is not just about money. When a teen struggles with the normal requirements of work and life, he's learning how to, to balance those things. And what a better time to learn to balance those things when, when they're single and they don't have a lot of responsibilities and they don't have a lot of obligations that matter. Look, when you get to become an adult and you get married and you have kids, there's a lot of work family balance that you have to know. And again, it just doesn't come automatically. It's something that's taught, something that's learned, it's something that's developed. They're not just going to wake up one morning and you know, after they turn 18 and have a work ethic that's going to help drive them through the rest of their life, right? You got to start that well before they turn 18. You know, maybe more like when they turn 18 months, right? Get them. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding, obviously, about that. But three, four, five years old, they're old enough to clean their own room. They're old enough to start trying to make an attempt at making their own bed. They're, they're old enough to do some of the things around the house, and they ought to be doing those things around the house. They need to learn the responsibility of getting chores done. Right? We have a list of all kinds of chores that they have to do, and it's one of those things that they're just expected to do it. And if they didn't get it done, oh, it's okay. I know you had a long day today, and, and school was a little bit rough, and so you can take the night off from your chores. No, they're just expected to get it done because that is what learning responsibility is all about, right? I mean, if you, if you're gonna, if you can't feed the dog and he shows up dead in the yard, then I mean, what are you gonna do when you have kids, right? <laughs> you, you got kids and your your kid shows up dead one day. I mean, that's gonna be a problem, right? So they need to learn that responsibility, and uh, getting those things done without necessarily having their hand held through the entire process. Now, when they're very little, they do need to have their hand held through that entire process. But that needs to be developed to the point that, especially by the time they get to be teenagers, they ought to be doing that work themselves. You ought not have to tell them every day, did you make your bed? Did you clean your room? Did you do this? Did you do that? Those are things that, that by the time they get to be teenagers, those should already have been developed, and they should just be automatically doing those things. Learning to work is a very valuable skill, especially in our society today. People don't know how to work. And boy, that's why, I mean, every place you go, even the fast food places, now hiring, right? I mean, I can't tell you how many times we've been to places in the last couple of years where it says, you know, uh, insufficient staff, we had to close early today, or, you know, the, 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 uh, the dining room's not open, only the drive-thru's open, we have two people working here today, we can't get anybody to work. I mean, that's, that's, that is on the parents, right? That's the parents' fault. They've never taught their kids to work, and they give them everything they want. Why would they want to go work, right? 
And it's, it's part of the government's fault, too, because they're handing them everything, too. If you don't work, then we'll, we'll take care of you. We'll do it for you, right? So it's the parent's responsibility to, to make sure that they learn how to work and that they learn the value of money. And that takes struggling to get through some of those things. The third thing, uh, and this one requires a pretty delicate balance, but they need to struggle with faith. And let me explain what I mean by that. I think a parent is foolish if they say, I want my kid to decide for himself what he believes. I think most of the time when a parent says that, it comes from a parent who doesn't know the gospel themselves, because if they knew the gospel themselves, they would never say, I want him to decide what he believes. They would, they would do everything they can to pass that on to their children. And I know our children have to decide for themselves to accept Christ or not. We can't accept Christ for them, but uh, we should do everything we can to pass Christianity as we know it on to them. It's not, it's not, well, you know, if they decide they don't want to come to church, then, then they don't have to go to church. Or if they decide that they don't want to be a Christian, then they don't have to be a Christian. Or if they decide, then, no, it's our responsibility to give that to them and pass that on to them. But having said that, uh, for many of us, faith, faith can be about uncertainty. Uh, I mean, sorry, faith can be about certainty, but there's, there's a lot about our spiritual life that is uncertain, right? We've never seen God. We've never seen heaven. We've never seen hell. It's, it's about faith. And for us, we're convinced of those things. But, but, it's, but for young people especially, they're not 100% convinced. And, and, and that faith is, is a little bit about uncertainty for them. I remember uh, Pastor Almanza, Pastor Andy Almanza, he's been here and, uh, and, and, and uh, been here a couple different times. He said, and, and, and this is growing up in a really strong church, he said that for a while, he read an article, I think, in Time Magazine when he was in high school, and this Time Magazine article was questioning everything that we know about Christianity and everything that we know about our faith, and he said, man, that article actually made some decent sense, and he said, I got to the point where I was almost ready to say that I was an atheist. He said, it's hard to believe in a place where you, you, know, where you grow up being fed all of these things. And he said, but I got to the point where I said, I need to figure this out for myself. Is the Bible true or is it not? Is this article and evolution and all of these other things true or is it not? And so that struggle with his own faith made him dig into the Bible and figure out for himself what he believed. And he got to the bottom of it, and he said, no, the Bible is true, and that article is wrong, and it strengthened his faith. And that's what I'm saying. Our kids need to struggle in that area, um, whether it's you know, concepts like the existence of God or questions about suffering or doubt. That's natural for, for uh, it's a natural response, and a lot of parents respond with you know, easy answers, hoping to just make it go away and hoping that their kids won't ask more questions. But what if wrestling with our kids' questions could actually lead them into a deeper understanding of exactly what they believe? Sometimes they need that doubt to question. They need those questions to help them dig deeper into the Bible and find the answers. When a, when a teen especially, but, but even younger, but when a teenager is struggling with doubt, don't leave them to struggle alone, but don't give them the easy answers. Don't answer it all for them. Of course God exists. Of course this. Of course that. Because that, does not, that doesn't make it go away in their mind just because you said it. Now, it might help, but that struggle is still there and that doubt is still there. Sit with them uh, in the questions. Encourage them to keep wrestling. Guide them toward coming up with the right answers. Right? Keep preaching the Word of God. Keep, keep having them in church where they're going to be hearing it and, and, and encourage them to do their own study. 
But it's just like anything else. If you give them the answer, then they're pro it's probably not something that they're going to remember for very long. But if you make them find the answer, then they're going to, find, they're going to remember that a whole lot longer if they had to dig in and do it themselves. So I know, and that's why I say it requires a delicate balance uh, because we have the responsibility to teach them. We have the responsibility to pass that on. But sometimes when they're struggling with those things, that's a good thing because that makes them get to the bottom and say, no, this is what's right. This is what I believe. Everything that I've been taught is true. Everything that the Bible says is true. And sometimes they need that struggle rather than us just saying, no, it's, there's nothing to that. Oh, you shouldn't doubt. You shouldn't whatever. It's natural. It's a natural response for us to have those doubts sometimes. And, of course, the devil is going to be the one that puts a lot of those doubts there. But boy, struggling with that and coming up with the answer on our own or you know, helping our children arrive at the right answer is a good thing for them. A fourth one, and this is just a really short one but they need to struggle in, but I think it's, I think it's worth noting, is, is academics. You know, you probably heard uh, people say that students who have, to, who have too easy of a time in high school struggle in college once the work gets harder, right? And, it, and it's true. I'm sure there are exceptions to that rule, but, but stereotypes exist for a reason. Um, if the classes that your kids are taking are too easy, it's very unlikely that they're going to learn anything. You need, to, you need to encourage them to challenge themselves. And, and by the way, education is not, is not and this is, I think this is a fault a lot of times of the public school education, but even Christian school education, homeschool education can be this way too. Um, but rather than just force-feeding them a bunch of facts and having them memorize a bunch of things, they need to learn how to learn. Right? If a kid doesn't learn how to learn, then once they get out of school, they're never going to learn anything else in the rest of their life. They need to be taught how to learn. And if you teach, if you teach them how to learn, then they'll be learning for the rest of their life. Uh, it's an important thing to do. But when they struggle with academics, they're, they're forced to come up with new strategies to learn. They have a hard time with memorizing. Don't take the memorizing away. Help them come up with a way to memorize better. Right? There's, there's lots of different ways to memorize things. Some kids have a hard time memorizing uh, or I should say a harder time than others with memorizing. Sometimes, sometimes kids have a harder time with concepts than, than others. If they have to struggle to come up with it, and you don't say, well, you know what, you're a C average kid, so a C average is fine for you. No, you need to constantly be pushing them to do better. And they may only get a B minus, but if, if, if they can reach a B minus, then that's what you should be pushing them to, to, to reach. And sometimes that takes a struggle. And sometimes, you know, uh, watching kids, and I, I taught school for 10 years, and I've seen a lot of kids that were not very smart do well and do better than they, than, they, than they normally would have done, but it took work, it took effort, it took struggle, and they need that. They need that. Hopefully, they learn to put less value on a grade and more on the learning process, and that's, what it, that's an important thing for us to teach them uh, as parents. The last one, and I, I'm not going to take too long on it, but I do want to take a little bit longer maybe than some of the other ones that, we, that we've talked about, is uh, they need to learn to struggle in the area of friendship. And again, this is, a, this is a, another one that requires a delicate balance. It requires wisdom as a parent. Um, most parents have experienced the pain of their kids being hurt by the actions of another kid. Um, and, it, and if you're like me, you know, your knee-jerk reaction is to tell them, just, just stop hanging out with that, that person, just don't be friends with that person, or, you know, find new friends. That's the easy thing to say, right? Uh, and there's, there's certainly times when finding new friends is, is appropriate, when finding new friends is necessary. 
Um, but many times uh, when a teenager struggles with friendship especially, it's, it's, it's more about misunderstanding or immaturity or the highs and lows of, of teen emotions and so on. But uh, it's a lot more valuable to encourage your children to invest in those friendships. And again, if it's a bad friend, if it's somebody that is, that is leading them away um, from a, a walk with Christ, then yes, they need to break that off. Uh, well, you know, and I've heard this many times. Well, I'm going to send my kid to the public school because, you know, they can be an influence on the other kids in the public school. And there's a possibility that they can. But more than likely, what happens is it goes the exact opposite way. The public school has an influence on your kids in the opposite direction than what you're trying to teach them. And even though your kid might have an opportunity to have an influence on a couple kids here and there, the overall influence on them is going to be much, much stronger than the opposite way. Because when you have, you know, 4,500 kids that are all going in one direction and one kid that's going in the opposite direction, guess what usually happens? <laughs> You're pushed a whole lot farther the other direction than, than what that one kid is going to push back against it. So um, friendship is, is a very delicate thing, but um, I, I say that to say that um, there will be times when your kids are in situations, especially when they get to be teenagers, where they might make friendships outside of church. They're going to have a job, more than likely, when they're 16, 17, 18 years old. They're going to work with people who they become friends with because they're working with them all the time. And, you know, so, so it's, a, it's, it's not something that, oh, well, you know, all my kids' friends are at church. Well, most of them are. And, and, and honestly, that's where most of them should come from. Uh, but there are going to be times when they find friendships outside of that. And so if you're, you know, um, if you're going to maintain friendships, you have to learn how to, how to do conflict well. There's going to be conflict. Same, I mean, and honestly, teaching them how to resolve conflicts in their friendships is, is teaching them how to have a good marriage, too, because that's, you, you're not getting out of it, right? Uh, she's stuck with me for the rest of her life, so she's just going to have to learn how to do conflict well, right? And me, too. You're going to have disagreements. You're going to have arguments, if you will. The, the easy option is, fine, I'm just going to go find a new wife. Well, that's, that's not the option, right? There's, there, that is not an option. So you need to learn how to resolve those conflicts and make it work. And doing that, thing, doing that with friendships is something that will help them in a lot of other ways as well. But the easy thing is you know, for our parents to say, fine, then you're not going to play with that kid or hang out with that kid. But that doesn't help them. They need to learn how to work it out on their own. Because what's going to happen is one day you're not going to be there. You know, they're going to be 25 years old. And they're going to have a problem with somebody at work, or they're going to have a problem with, you know, their marriage or something like that, and you're not going to be there uh, to, to bail them out, and they've never learned that conflict resolution. They're, they're not only going to be miserable, but they're probably going to end up, you know, slapping somebody in the face and end up in jail because they, you know, assaulted somebody because they don't know how to resolve conflict, right? I mean, and that, honestly, I think that's one of the reasons we see all the anger issues that we see out in our world today, you know? Because they've never been taught to resolve conflict in a, in a profitable way. There's, you know, there's always going to be bullies on the playground. There's always going to be kids who cheat at the games. And there's always going to be kids who don't treat other kids right. It's good for your kids to learn how to stand up for themselves and, and to learn how to get along. And it happens. It, it, it happens even in church, right? But, but you get outside of that and you get into school and things like that. And there's always going to be kids that are like that way uh, or, or that are that way. But them learning how to deal with it, them learning how to handle it is exactly what they need to do to help them learn to resolve those conflicts. Now, let me also address the issue of, of 
friendship as your kids get older. How do you, how do you let your kids go, but also protect them at the same time? Because, you know, honestly, that's, that's where a lot of parents and teenagers butt heads, right? Parents have a desire to be needed. Kids, are, they have a desire to be independent, right? They are growing up. They want to get off on their own. They don't want to have, you know, a mother that's telling them, you know, make sure you brush your teeth when they're 20 years old, right? They want that independence, and that's what they're working toward. And, and we should be working toward their independence, right? Isn't that exactly, I mean, look, look, even the Bible talks about that in Deuteronomy. An eagle, right? An eagle stirreth over a nest, fluttereth over a young, taketh them, beareth them on her wings, and everything else. But if you look at what an eagle does, an eagle's like, okay, you're getting old enough now. This nest is not for you anymore. And they start taking things out and make it very uncomfortable until eventually that, that baby is just standing on the edge of a stick, and he's like, this is not fun anymore. I need to go right? And I'm not saying that that's the way you need to make it for your kids. You know what? You sleep in the attic until you finally leave, you know? I'm not saying that, but that's the natural progression of life. And a lot of parents uh, butt heads with their kids because they can't let go of the need to be needed, but their kids are trying to gain that independence at the same time, and they're, they're butting heads because you can't go, you can't go. And they're saying, yes, I can, and I'm going to. Right? So how do you let your teenagers go, but at the same time keep them safe? Right? It's, it's tough being a teenager today. I mean, I think it's always been tough being a teenager, but look at, what they've, look at the difference of being a teenager today versus being a teenager 20 years ago. Right? There's a whole lot more things out there that were not out there when I was a teenager. Right? There was no phones when I was a kid. There was no, I mean, internet was there, but it wasn't really much of a thing when I was growing up. Right? And it's, it's changed everything. It's changed everything. Teens are growing up in a world that worships the freedom to do what you want, worships the, uh, you know, the, the reject responsibility, provides a lot of ways for them to do both of those things. And so as a result, being the parent of a teenager is tough too, right? Part of parenting is learning how to let go well. Um, giving your teenager more freedom and responsibility as they grow up, but we also have the responsibility to protect them as long as we can protect them. So where do you find that balance? How do you get to that point? I believe you have to be very selective in, in who they're allowed to hang out with, but they're going to find people at work. They're going to find people in other places that, that they'll become friends with. And so your job as a parent is to teach your kids how to work into freedom as they grow into adult, but also to protect them at the same time. And that's why I say that, that having them struggle in their friendships is a very, very delicate balance because... You can't let them hang out with the wrong friends, but you also have to give them the freedom to make the choices at the same time. And so the, the speed that you do that, um, the, the speed that you do that with uh, is going to depend on your teen's track record, how they've handled the little bit of freedom that you've already given them, how they've handled maturity, like are, are they mature as a teenager and so on. But, but you as the parent, it's your responsibility. You are the parent and it's your responsibility uh, to make sure that you're keeping your house in order. As long as they're in your home, you have the responsibility to know what they're doing and who they're doing it with and everything else. Yes, they need freedom, but yes, they're still in your home. I mean, if they want to go do whatever they want to do with their life, then they can go move out and go you know, live on their own and, and realize how difficult life on your own is. But if they're 18, 19, 20 years old and they're still living in your home, then you still have the responsibility to make sure you know who they're hanging out with and what they're doing because you have the responsibility of, of keeping your house well. 
And I believe that your kids' friends' circle should almost all come from church, but there will be opportunities to make other friendships. But you have to be very, very cautious about them. So as we close, then let me talk about this. How do you help them keep the right friends? Number one is to get to know their friends. And I'm very, very particular about who our kids hang out with, but, but even more importantly, who they spend the night with. Um, they, I don't know if they've ever spent the night at somebody's house other than family, um, just because, you know, if, especially if I believe that somebody's allowing things in their home that I don't allow in mine, then I'm not going to let them go over there. Why, why would I do all the work of teaching them what's right and wrong and then saying, okay, go over here and let them tell you anything they want to tell you, right? Uh, and, and honestly, that's the way it was with my parents, and I'm very, very glad for that. We very rarely spend the night at somebody else's house, and I always wondered why. You know, why can't I go? Okay, can I go spend the night at such and such house? No. Like, why not? You know, I mean, what, what is su- what's such a big deal about going and spending the night at these people's house? Well, then, at the older you get, the more you hear about things that happens at, at people's houses, and not, not even that they were anything like really uh, obviously wrong, but there are things that, that were different than the way we did them in our home, and, and in, in some cases, even sinful, and my parents were protecting us from that. Now, we had, we had friends over to our house a decent amount, and that's how my parents took care of that issue. Hey, you can hang out with your friends, but you're going to hang out here. I know what's going on when they're here, right? And the same thing is true you know, with, with you and your kids. You have to get to know their friends. Have your teens invite their friends over to your house. You know, look, watch their interactions. See how they behave. Um, are they respectful of people and property? Do they speak well of their parents and their family? You're not, you know, and again, in, in the process of giving them that freedom, it's not an interrogation. You're not going to sit them down and say, okay, I've got a list of 25 questions, and you're going to answer these before you ever go talk to that kid again, right? It's not that, but you can learn a lot from just a conversation with them. How are they doing in school? What's their extracurricular activities? You know, what, what is this kid like? Uh, do they go to church? I mean, that's, that's something that's very important. What is, you know, uh, what is the style that they dress in? That'll tell you a whole lot about a person, right? What, is, what, is, what do they look? I mean, if they're dressed in all black and black, you know, black makeup and black fingernails and all that stuff, I mean, that'll tell you a lot about the kid, right? Uh, and I know that's an extreme example, but that's how they dress says a lot about them. You can tell whether they're, uh, you know, a kid that is desiring to uh, follow the Bible or a kid that wants to be rebellious. Even in a, even in a Christian school that's strict or even in a, you know, even in a, a church that, has, that, that is strict, you can tell the kids that, that, that want to be rebellious. And, that, you know, um, what does your teen like about that friend? I mean, that's, that's something that you can ask them. Why do you like to hang out with them? You know, and it does, again, it doesn't have to be an interrogation, but hey, when you're having a conversation, what is it about such and such that you like? Why, do you, why are you guys friends? What do you have in common? I mean, you'll, that's, that's the kind of things that you need to know. And, and honestly, even if your kids are adults, you can still invest in those friendships. So get to know their friends, but also get to know their friends' parents. That'll tell you a lot about the friend, right? Um, your, your kids' friends as teenagers may tell you about their families, but that's only one perspective. It's very, very different when you actually meet them and see them. And, you know, if your teenager and his friend or her friend seems to be forging a strong relationship, then you need to know a little bit more about life at the other house. And again, I think you have to be very cautious about whose house you allow them to go to, especially if it's not somebody that they met at church. I mean, I'd be very, very hesitant about letting them go, even go to somebody's house 
let alone spend the night at somebody's house that they met because they worked together with this kid or something like that. I mean, that's, that's, uh, it'd, be a, it'd be a rare situation when that happens, but it does happen. And so, you know, introduce yourself to those parents, have them over for dinner, learn what you can about them. And if you find that you're on similar wavelengths when it comes to parenting, then you're going to be able to form a, a good alliance and, you know, you can help both of them, both of those kids in that friendship. But if, especially... If those parents' values are very different from yours, then, then that's, a, that's a friend that you don't want your kids hanging around because they're eventually going to influence them. The third thing that you can do is, is get to know the ground rules in their home, right? Um, a kid saying, well, hey, I'm going to hang out with Joe, you know, that isn't enough to go on when your kid heads out the door. And I'm saying, this is, you know, this is after your kids are 17, 18, 19 years old and they've got that freedom and they, they're working a job and they're around these other places. I mean, it's going to happen and they need that freedom. Um, but you need to know what's going to be happening, where it's going to be happening, who else is going to be there. If they're going to be spending the night, will the parents be home? I mean, that's, that's, that's huge. That's so important. And, um, you know, your kids need to know what you expect from them if they're allowed to be in that situation. I remember when we were growing up that, you know, we, we did end up spending the night at people's houses, but that was mostly because my parents would go out of town for a week uh, every year, pretty much, uh, for business, and they, they earned these trips. My dad owned his own business, but it was the, the whole business was under a parent company, and the more, the more business you did, they, you know, you, you earned certain status and everything else, and they, they got to go every year to... Uh, some exotic location. They went to Jamaica and the Bahamas, and they went all these different places on these, you know, work-related things. And uh, so we would spend the night at somebody's house uh, for, for a week or so, and usually there'd be a couple of us together. Um, but I, I, my parents made it very clear, and, you know, the thing is, I, I always, I, I look back on this now, and I wonder, like, why did we even do that? Because they would never find out if we did whatever we were going to do at these people's houses. But we didn't do it. You know, we were not allowed to watch movies at somebody else's house unless we called and asked my parents, hey, they want to watch this movie. Is it okay if we watch this movie? I mean, if we sat down and watched that movie, they would never know that we did that because who's going to tell them? Right? The parents going to say, oh, hey, by the way, I let your kids watch such and such a movie, and it wasn't good, but they, they watched it together. Right? I mean, they're not going to say that. I mean, the chances that my parents fi would find out about that was very, very slim. But we called and asked them, and hey, can we watch this movie? And oh, no, no, I don't, I've never seen that one before. I don't want you to watch it. And we'd have to go back and say, my parents said no. You know, and it felt, it felt goofy at the time, you know. And, and so the, the, the other parents would be like, okay, uh, well, how about Bambi? Oh, yeah, I know Bambi's fine. We can watch Bambi or Dumbo or something like that, you know. But, and, and, you know, it felt a little bit awkward at the time, but it was my parents protecting us from the things that were not allowed in our home, Right. And again, I think a lot of it comes down to the fact that if you have your child's heart, then they're going to do the things that you expect out of them even when you're not there. But you have to have their heart. And that doesn't start when they're 16 years old. That starts when they're six months old and six years old and 10 years old and, and going on up. So, you know, how can you know for sure what's going on when they're away from you? You won't. You're, you're, you're not going to know. But if you have their heart, then regardless of whether you're there or not, then they're going to make sure that they follow your rules. And, and, and that's, that's all you can hope for and pray for. Um, but then the fourth thing is, and this is a very quick last thing here, is you get, get to know the details of their time together when they're with these other friends. When your kids come home, it's, it's great for you to be there and be awake. 
um, again, this is this is as they get to be older teenagers. I mean, they they are especially, but I mean, in high school, they ought not to be out later than you know seven eight o'clock if if they're going to hang out with friends or something like that. Nothing good ever happens after ten o'clock, and uh, that's usually when all the. You know, I mean, Kevin's been in enough shootings to find out he's been called out in the middle of the night enough times to know that most of that stuff happens after ten o'clock, right? Um, when it gets dark and people are you know getting to the point where. There's, there's all kinds of other things going on, but it's not an interrogation, it's just a conversation, but it's, it's necessary to make sure that they're being um, influenced in the right way and not being influenced in the wrong way by the friends that they're keeping. You, you need to spend uh, enough personal time with your kids that you really know them, and I think that's one of the, one of the mistakes that a lot of parents make. Um, even, even Christian parents, even in those circles, but you know, a lot of, a lot of secular parents are so wrapped up in their careers and everything else that they have them at a babysitter all day and they come home and, uh, you know, change and and then go out for the rest of the night and they've got this business thing and that business thing and they don't even know their kids and their kids don't even know them. You know, the, the babysitters and the daycares are the ones that are raising their kids for them. And that's, that's a huge part of the issue, but you need to be aware uh, when their attitude changes and when their language changes. And if you know your kids, then you'll be able to see those subtle changes and you can, you can get on it before it gets too late because it will get to be too late. Um, and, and, you know, if, if, you're, if you're paying attention and, you're, and you are noticing those changes, then you should also know what's going on in their life around those changes to say, hey, this happened and you changed. This needs to go away. This needs to change. You need to get back to the way that it was before. This is not what we allow in our house. This is what we demand here at home, and this is what you're going to do. And so you, you need to get it on it at the slightest sign of a problem. They need you. We're talking about it in teen class right now. You know, the, the frontal lobe of your brain is what is the rational decision-making part of your brain, and it's formed between the ages of 12 and 20. And so what we're talking about in in Sunday school class is that they need parents. They need a pastor. They need uh, people in their lives who will help be that decision-making process for them because their brain is not good at doing that right now because it's being formed. And it'll eventually get there, right? But they need you. They need you to guide them. They need you to help them in those things. Uh, they need someone to help them through to adulthood. And to wrap this whole lesson up, helping them to adulthood means letting them struggle a little bit. Let them struggle with finances. Let them struggle with work. Let them, let them uh, not have everything they want so they can learn the value of work and the value of saving and the value of money. Let them struggle with aspects of their Christianity so they have to get in there and dig deeper for themselves and find out what they believe from the Word of God. Let them struggle with their schoolwork. Let them struggle with their friendships. It's going to help them develop into strong, mature, godly adults. And, and, and in the end, isn't that what the goal of raising our children is, right? We want them to grow up and be godly. But like we talked about this morning, we want them to grow up and be successful at whatever it is that God calls them to do. If God calls them to be a pastor, we want them to be the best pastor they can be. If God calls them to be a uh, a plumber or a painter or an electrician or a, a gas worker or whatever. We want them to be the best one that they can be. We want them to be successful, and that's how we're going to help them get to that point. They need to learn to struggle. Now, I'm not saying, you know what? You didn't, you didn't go out and make money this week, so out on the curb. You know, you're 14 now. 
you should be, you know, taking care of yourself. You're sleeping outside because you didn't make your bed, right? I mean, that's not, that's not, that, that's not struggle. That's abuse, right? But, but they need to learn to struggle. And there needs to be consequences when they don't struggle well. That's how they're going to learn. If all we ever do is bail them out, then they're never going to get to the point where they learn how to handle those things on their own. And that starts when they're little kids. Because by the time they're teenagers, you're not changing it. You're not changing it. It needs to be developed from the time that they're little all the way up until that point. Now, it can be, it can be refined as teenagers, and they understand a little bit more as teenagers. But it's, it, it, it's, I think it needs to get to the point where by the time they're teenagers, they look back and they say, oh, that's why we did that all of those years, because of this. right?" And that's when they start to really get it. But they need that struggle. They need that struggle to help them become strong, mature, godly adults. And that's the job of parents, to help them get to that point. Hopefully that's a help to you. Let's pray. Once we pray, we'll sing our song and we'll be dismissed. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you so much for your goodness to us. Thank you for the opportunity we've had to be here tonight. Pray that this will be a help to us as we raise our kids. Boy, we want nothing more than for our kids to grow up and to live for you, our kids to grow up and, and be able to make good, solid decisions for themselves because they have learned how to do these things on their own. And not even, not even that, but, but to make good, solid, Bible-based decisions that will help them to be uh, very helpful in whatever ministry you call them to do, even if it's in a layman ministry. Uh, something that, that you want for each one of us to do is, is to be involved in those things and to be the best that we can be at it. So I pray that you help us as we try to help them. Uh, thank you for all that you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen.